right, welcome to Bragging on Jesus, uh, January 2019. So we barely made it in for January, and we have a couple of speakers tonight. The topic is Christian hedonism. And before we get started, I want to uh, kind of make a clear distinction about what we're talking about. Uh, but it's a, the difference between worldly hedonism and what has uh, come to be known as Christian hedonism. So, according to the dictionary on my my uh, computer, hedonism theory, theorizes that pleasure is the highest good and proper aim of human life. Um, now, so you might say, "Am I a hedonist?" You're probably a worldly hedonist if you look at life as if it is the golden corral. Now, I like the golden corral at the buffet, but if you try everything they have to offer and wind up stuffing yourself with catfish, shrimp, steak, ice cream, and cake until you're sick, you know, and throwing up, uh, that, that's not satisfaction, Right? And, and that's what the world offers. Uh, if you're a hedonist, you seek pleasures. But though some pleasures do bring pleasure to you, they don't actually satisfy you. Uh, and in the end, they cause, cause pain and actually death. So, so that's worldly hedonism. Now, now, John Piper, what we're talking about tonight, he actually coined the label Christian hedonist. And uh, some think that he is saying that a Christian should seek godly pleasure above all else. But Piper actually indicates that for the believer, godly pleasure is good and worth desiring, but not the ultimate or end goal, but rather the glory of God is the end goal. And as we see the glory of God, we get our desires fulfilled in him. So he defines Christian hedonism like this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And another way he puts it is is this. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. So uh, Daniel Castor is going to speak here in just a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and start us off. And, and that's what we're talking about uh, tonight, Christian hedonism. So I want to start us with a prayer before I actually begin. Father God, you are totally awesome, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your word and for all the blessings you give us in Jesus, Father. Uh, the only hope for mankind that was promised after man first uh, rebelled against you and believed Satan and, and followed uh, uh, Satan in the Garden of Eden uh, and believing that, that he could satisfy and uh, But you promised that one would come, the Messiah, the, the seed of the woman, who would actually bring satisfaction, Father. And, and that's Jesus Christ, your only Son, who lived a righteous life and died and rose for us. So, Lord, thank you for the true joy that is found in him. And help us to see more of, of what you give us, Lord, in Christ tonight. And in Jesus' name, amen. So, George Mueller said this, and, and he was actually, if I remember right, he was a, a gentleman who lived many years ago who started an orphanage. Is that right? I think that's right. And, and he built uh, like hospitals and, and built uh, a large orphanage, maybe more than one. And, but he did all that without any money. 
He never borrowed money, never asked anybody for money, and he had nothing when he began, pretty much. So God just, he trusted God. And so he, he's, he's someone that, um, that we can trust uh, to give us some guidance in this. And this is what he says. The first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is Facebook. No, he didn't say that, right? <laughs> I got you. Check my email. No. Coffee, take a shower, makeup, exercise. No. Here's what he said in full. Uh, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. And, and I believe that is Christian hedonism. It's more important than anything else. And C.S. Lewis said it this way, It is a Christian duty, as you know, for everyone to be as happy as he can. So, I'm thinking that this joy, this gift of God, this great blessing God gives believers is more than a personal benefit for us. But joy is actually a weapon, like a, a weapon of mass destruction against evil. Um, there's always a battle going on against evil in our lives. We face it every day. And um, if we can face each day in joyful worship, we will be winners. Taking pleasure in Christ, worshiping the Lord, or delighting in our God, however you say it, every battle Satan throws our way. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the joy of the Lord, that's our weapon against evil. It's our strength. And that's Christian hedonism. Uh, in Second Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat goes to meet the enemy. And I believe there was three groups of people, um, the Moabites, the Amorites, and, um, and some other, they were probably some otherites. I can't remember who they were. <laughs> but they were coming against Israel. And, um, and God said, I will fight the battle for you. And so Jehoshaphat, as they went out to meet him, instead of putting the soldiers out front, he put a choir of singers out front. And they sang praises to God as they met him. And, and they won. God won the battle. We find the same thing in Acts 16. Paul cast out an evil spirit. And then him and Silas were beaten with rods and stripped and, and thrown in, in the prison, in the, in the innermost prison. And verse 25 says this, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone Everyone's bonds were, were unfastened. And so you might remember after that, remember Paul and Silas were singing and praising God and praying to him. And, uh, and their bonds came off. And then the jailer fell down. He was going to commit suicide. And then uh, Paul said, no, no. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in your house. And so he took your house also. And so he took him home. And uh, the, door, the doors to the prison were open. So... Um, they, they went to the jailer's house, and everyone believed in Christ. So uh, Paul and Silas were praying after being tortured and beaten. Uh, that's Christian hedonism. 
to be able to have joy in tribulation. And it was a great weapon against evil. Um, There's a great story John Piper tells about how he was called to the home of a person who was told, uh, who was, who he was told was demon possessed. Okay. And I'll read it. This is, this is in his own words. Uh, Here's what he says. For about two hours, I talked to her and read her scriptures and prayed prayers of deliverance. She became increasingly violent, knocking the Bible out of my hand and grabbing the prayer sheets and shoving me. At one point, about one in the morning, someone in the group began to sing. So there were some other Christians there. Um, It was one of our familiar worship songs. We sang it again and again, and the Lord gave us new words for it each time. I think he said it was the song, Alleluia. So they were singing Alleluia. And uh, she began to tremble, he says, and threaten us if we didn't stop. Then she threw herself on the floor and screamed for Satan not to leave her. She went into convulsions and then went limp. When she came to, she remembered nothing of what happened and was willing to read the scripture and pray. So, praising God, joyful, weapon against evil. Satan has to run. He's scared of that, that weapon of mass destruction. So we ought to use that, that weapon of joy, not just for our own, our own delight, but in our daily life as we battle sin. All right. I uh, want us to briefly look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, as Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, remember it was a very hedonistic city. Uh, they had idols to all kind of Greek gods and Egyptian gods. and, and um, There's a long list of them you can find. It reminds me of the, the city and the Pilgrim's Progress. If you've ever re- read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, there's a city they come to called Vanity. And in Vanity, there's a, a, a Vanity Fair that goes on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And, and so it's, it's like a carnival. I went to a carnival in Dodge City when I was about 16, 1974, and I cashed my check. Right before I went, I went with my cousin. He was up visiting, and uh, I spent like almost every single penny I had. Uh, uh, and, and most of that was at one booth, one booth. I mean, the callers were calling out, hey, Bell Bottoms, come over here. That was me. Uh, and he, I, I actually think he called me that, and one of them did, and one of them said, hey, Curly, and I had curly hair back then. Uh, and so I, I went there, and they had the prizes. I don't have this written down, but they, they had these big prizes. Everybody's a winner, they say. And that's what the world says, right? They had these big, gigantic prizes and all these little prizes. I think I won a little prize, but it, it was broken before I got home. But, you know, even if you win the big prize, though, I mean, it's like a giant uh, teddy bear or something. You don't know what kind of animal it is. It's just a big stuffed something, and you can't get the neck to stand up straight on it. And you put it in your room, and you prop it up, and then you walk around it for the next 20 years, and it just in your way. And that's the way the world's promises, the things that they, they want to give us are, right? Um, it doesn't do us any good. They don't really satisfy us. They get in our way. Um, we have to dust everything off our whole life long. Takes up our time. Um, so anyway, back to Corinth. Um, 
it was a uh, it was kind of like you know visiting the Golden Corral as I talked about earlier. Um, so I want us to to look at chapter six. Uh, Paul lists some of the persecutions he's going through with the people with him. They're they're ministering together, and he he makes a long list of them. Um, then he tells them about some of the things they were willing to give up. He makes a list of those. He says, like, uh, well, I'm going to read them here, and starting with verse 8. It's all these things he's willing to give up, and yet, in the end, he gets them in Christ. So the Christian hedonist actually gets everything that the world wants. Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to show. Verse 8, we're treated as imposters, and yet are true. So... The world doesn't want to be known as a hypocrite, right? And, uh, and yet, we're willing to be treated as imposters. But yet, we, we're, we're not imposters. We're, we're honest. We're, we're sinners saved by grace. Okay, uh, and then it's verse 9. Uh, we're treated as, as unknown and yet well-known. So we're willing not to take the spotlight. But the hedonists of the world think that that's going to bring them joy to, 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 to be well-known. Uh, so we're treated as dying, and behold, we live. The hedonists of the world don't want to die, and yet we're willing to die for Jesus, and yet we live. So uh, we're treated as being punished, as punished, and yet not killed. The world does, the hedonists want pleasure, and they don't want to be punished for their wrongs. But Jesus took our punishment for us as Christians. Um, and it goes on telling these as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. We're treated as, as sorrowful. The world doesn't want to be sorrowful. They seek joy and, and, and uh, pleasure. But we're the ones that rejoice. So as poor yet making many rich. So uh, the same thing with that. As having nothing yet possessing everything. So we get it all with Jesus Christ. Even, though, even in persecution. We get everything in Christ. So, um, and I particularly want us to pay attention to these, these next couple verses, and then I'll close. Um, the, uh, Paul wants the, the Corinthians to have the, this same mindset that, that he has. Uh, he wants them to set their affections higher than the world does. So these are Christian believers living in a hedonistic city with temples to other gods on every corner, and he wants them to have a higher mindset. And um, he, let's listen to what he says in verse 11. And Okay, he says, We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I, I speak to you as children, widen your hearts also. So he had already said a few verses earlier that his heart is wide open to them. And he, his heart is open. He receives all these, these things from Christ, um, in Christ that the world is even seeking in some context. So um, he, he wants them to widen their hearts so that they would receive not the, 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 the pleasures of the world, but that Christ would be their pleasure. So that's what he's wanting. Sometimes my affections don't hardly reach past the ceiling in my own life. 
Uh, Paul wanted the, theirs to reach all the things of God. And does that remind anybody of a C.S. Lewis quote? Uh, it did me. Now, that our affections are not quite as, as uh, what they ought to be. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. I think a light's coming on there. Here's what C.S. Lewis said. And I think, I'm thinking he got it from this text. Quote, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants us to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer at, of holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Isn't that the truth? Well, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and say uh, one more thing here, and then I'll quote a poem that I wrote about this topic. Um, Uh, something about Christian hedonism that shares it, uh, with worldly hedonism is this. And these, these two things they have in common. They both give honor to the thing that they treasure. So if you're a worldly hedonist seeking pleasure in the world, whatever you tre treasure, you give that thing honor. And the same goes for a Christian. Um, so in the world, if you enjoy pornography if that's your treasure you're if you rejoice in it that's a form of worship you're honoring pornography and it's the same uh for men and women in marriage men think about this with, with you and your wife what if it were her birthday today and you said honey it would make me the happiest man in the world it would be my greatest desire if I could take you out on the town to a movie and buy you a wonderful for dinner. What if she turned to you and said, why are you always that way? Always thinking about yourself and what would make you joyful and happy. Even on my own birthday. Why is it always about you? Right? No, she wouldn't say that because she knows that when you treasure her, you're honoring her. You delight, and she loves it when you delight in her. And I think that's the way it is with God. He loves it when we delight and find our joy in him. So um, I think that's enough for tonight on this. I will close off with this, this uh, poem I wrote. And uh, the, uh, the title is not too imaginative, okay? So it's called Christian Hedonism. <laughs> All right. There are many isms. In the prism of schisms, like egotism, feminism, legalism, and criticism. But today, won't you listen to my optimism and the wisdom of Christian hedonism? Take the best endeavors of the human life. There's something far better than all their delights. A treasure past measure like what day is tonight. A pleasure fully suited for man's appetite. Wikipedia has actually registered Christian hedonism. Compared now, all else might be called rubbishism, dungism. People locked in prison with things that glisten, lustism, smutism, the whole world is in derision because Jesus lived 
died and now is risen. He is my precious, my riches, my vision, my fortune, my mission. For now I'm forgiven. My treasure, my pleasure, my true hedonism. So, Daniel. You should have uh, done, done your whole sermon in rhymes, Robin. That would have been cool. Yeah. All right, so if you are just tuning in, um, our topic for today is Christian hedonism. Uh, but before I unpack that, uh, I'd kind of like to talk about what uh, regular hedonism is. And so um, I Googled it the other day. Uh, by the way, I wouldn't recommend doing that, especially if you're on the image search. Um, it's pretty dangerous. Uh, so, so hedonism is kind of defined as this, uh, pursuing pleasure and self-indulgence. All right, so um, I can, I'm sure you can see why it's dangerous now to, to Google hedonism. So um, pursuing pleasure and self-indulgence, all right? And I was trying to think of good examples of what that looks like. I like your uh, Golden Crow illustration, this buffet in front of you and you eat until you get sick. Um, something I thought of was um, kind of a TV series that my wife and I watched called Parks and Recreation. So there's these characters on there um, named Tom, Tommy Fresh and Donna, and they have a day of the year that is basically a hedonism day. It's called Treat Yourself Day. And on Treat Yourself Day, you get to do whatever you want to do, right? It's basically self-indulgence day, and there are no limits and no restrictions, right? So whatever your heart wants is what the heart gets. So for Tommy Fresh and for Donna Meagle, um, so this, this looks like uh, food and uh, pleasures, and they buy whatever kind of clothes they want. They rent limos. They go to the nicest restaurants, um, whatever they, their heart can imagine. And uh, Donna Meagle actually says to uh, Tommy in one of the episodes, he's, he's kind of questioning, oh, should I do this or not? And she says, it's treat yourself day. Do whatever the heart wants, right? And so um, I know it's a, a silly illustration from a kind of a goofy series, uh, but the reality is lots of people don't just do this one day a year. They live their entire lives treating themselves and really seeking pleasure to do what is uh, going to satisfy me in any given moment, right? And so um, that, that's how people live. Uh, and, and really, you can pursue pleasure in anything, right? Um, you can pursue it in money, power, success, uh, the perfect body, uh, sex, family, possessions. Really, like you can go after pleasure in any kind of way, and that's what hedonism is, okay? It's this belief that um, life is best when you pursue pleasure or happiness, that this is the, the chief good of man, and it's what life is all about, all right? So and that, that's kind of uh, where those sayings come from. If it feels good, do it, right? Or what, whatever your heart wants, go after what the heart wants, right? Even Disney kind of has that, follow your heart, you know? And I think there's a song, isn't there? Listen to your heart, something like that. So um, our, our whole world kind of uh, does follow this this. Uh, Pursuit of pleasure is described by hedonism. But let me ask you this. Is there anything inherently wrong with pleasure? All right? Are Christians supposed to be anti-pleasure? Are we supposed to just walk around with our heads hung low and find no enjoyment in life? Absolutely not, right? That's not what we believe as Christians. In fact, we actually believe that, that God is a God who created pleasure, right? And that 
um, in its proper place, pleasure actually has a, a good and a right design in um, the, the believer's life or, or in man's life, all right? So that's what we believe. And in fact, the, West, the shorter Westminster Catechism, when talking about uh, man's role in life or why they were created, it says this, the chief end of man is to glorify God by, get this, enjoying him forever. So see, it, it, it says right there at the center of what is in life is enjoyment, right? That life is about enjoyment, but where is it aimed at? Okay, we are built to enjoy God. So that's mankind's purpose. We, we were built to pursue pleasure, pleasure in God, having him as the object of our deepest desires. And so and we're, when we're satisfied in him, when he's our greatest treasure, um, as Robin pointed out earlier, this actually glorifies him, right? So when, when we say, God, you're better than everything the world has to offer, you're my greatest treasure. When we seek him out, this brings him much glory. And that is what Christian hedonism is. It's pursuing pleasure in God. So um, this is John Piper's definition. Robin listed this earlier. Um, he says that Christian hedonism is when God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in him. Um, you can say it when God's your greatest treasure. You can say it a million different ways, but it, it all means the same thing. And so what I want to look at right now is Matthew thirteen forty four through 46. And this is a passage where Jesus himself talks about a man who found his greatest treasure ever. All right, and it starts off in verse 44, um, and it says this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field which a man found and then he covered up, right? And then here's what he does. In his joy, right, with pleasure, with great joy, with great happiness, he goes and he sold everything that he had so he could go and buy the field, all right? So Jesus gives us, it's just one verse in verse 44, this little packed parable that's, that's got a bunch of truth in it, all right? And so in the, the parable, Jesus is comparing the kingdom of heaven, so, so finding God, to a man who finds this great treasure, all right? And so I want you to see Jesus's story come to life. So here's what happens. This guy's walking through a field, right? And maybe there's something like sticking out of the ground or something. And he, and he goes on over to look at it and inspect it. And he's like, what is this thing? So maybe he's, he gets down on his hands and knees and he starts kind of moving stuff away. And he's like, this is gold. Like, like I've, I've struck a gold mine, right? And so then like, of course you gotta imagine he's digging faster and harder, right? And, and here's the cool thing about this, this parable. The further he digs, the more valuable the treasure becomes, right? He's, he's digging, he's scraping away, and so maybe he starts finding some, um, not only gold, but some silver and some pearls and precious jewels. And so he's, he's unearthing this mega valuable thing, and he, he's, he's had no time to have someone come appraise it. He's had no time to really fully assess what's there. But here's what he's fully convinced of. Whatever's right here in this ground far surpasses everything I own at home. Like, I don't need to dig any further. I, I don't need to have a, a, an appraiser come tell me what this is worth. I can just see from this little glimpse I've got of this treasure that it is worth a hundredfold what I have at home. So here's my plan. I'm going to book it home and everything's gone, right? So all his treasures, all his possessions. So man, those new golf clubs sell them, right? And this, this new car that I got, sell it. And this, hey, honey, put a for sale sign on the house. Um, let's drain the bank accounts, all of our savings. Get rid of it because what he figured out is this. There is a greater treasure, right? And the Bible tells us that he does it with joy. So he goes and, and with joy, he gets rid of all that he has 
so he can have this new treasure. And he goes and he buys the field so that he can possess this great treasure. All right? So the Bible says that he, he really has this view that he's found something better. And so what Jesus is telling us is this is the experience of every believer, right? If once, once you truly see who Jesus is, once you truly find the kingdom of God, you, you treasure him so much. You see his all-surpassing worth is so high and so great that other pleasures and treasures, they lose their appeal, right? They, they don't have the hold on you once you once uh, had. And you can let those things go to pursue the greatest treasure and pleasure, which is Christ. Um, once you see Jesus for who he is, you realize that nothing else can compare with him. And so that's, that's what Christian hedonism is. So as we kind of wrap up today, um, man, I, I just, I would ask you to think about what, what is your greatest treasure? Like, what, what are you going hard after? What, what every day do you find most delight and most joy in? Because what, what you're going hard after and what you rejoice in most and what you glorify most, that's your God. And, and I'm just going to say this. If it's anything other than the God of the Bible, if it's anything other than Jesus, you're missing out. Right? You're, you're, you're short-selling yourself. You're, you're a, like Robin said, the C.S. Lewis quote, you're fiddling around with, with little cheap things that can't and won't satisfy when this mega valuable treasure is available to you um, in Christ. And so as I pray, I just ask you to consider what you're chasing hard after. Let's pray. Father God, you are excellent and you are the greatest treasure. I God, I, I thank you that I've seen you and I pray that you would open my eyes more to you. I want to see you more and delight in you more and pursue you more. And um, for, those of you, for those of us who have got a taste and do treasure Christ, increase our appetite, God. Increase our desire to go hard after you. And for those who have never seen you, I pray that today you would start stirring up their infections and just peel back the curtain of your glory and show them how, how much you are worth and that you are better than anything this world has to offer. Just be with us tonight, God. I pray that you would be working in hearts and I pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. In your name we pray, amen. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was reminded of the, uh, you know, when you were talking about the, the guy that's in his joy, he sold everything that he had, in his joy. And I was, I was contrasting that in my mind to the rich young ruler who, uh, he did not, he was not willing to give up what he had, and he walked away in sorrow. Yeah. So there, there you have the two sides. Yeah. Where's your treasure at? Absolutely. So that's awesome, yeah. So, uh, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, to Bragging on Jesus, uh, January edition. We'll try to do this again in February. And, of course, um, one of the guys uh, with us is interested in um, doing a segment geared just for children. And we might try to tackle that, but we'll let you know when we're going to be doing it so you can tune in. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Now, Christian hedonism, I mean, that topic, we could talk about that every day because it's on every page in the Bible about rejoicing in the Lord. So thank you, everybody, and God bless you. I hope you have a great month.